Manna or Meatloaf, Episode 22, Lessons from the Learned. Hello, hello. So another fun episode, and this one brings all kinds of warm fuzzies to my heart. My wonderful and amazing mother-in-law just had her 88th birthday. I have learned so much from her, everyone has, and she still continues to be such a powerful example and a ray of light in all of her family's lives. To be learned means to have knowledge, and she and those of her age group certainly have that. They have the knowledge of life experience, don't they? I have such a tender place in my heart for the elderly. I've worked as a zone therapist for a hospice company for almost a decade now, and I've learned firsthand some of life's lessons from the learned. Those in the heat of the fire, those in those quote-unquote golden years that aren't so golden. I've taken notes, as you well know, And I'd love to share a few nuggets of wisdom I've gathered from being blessed enough to know these amazing people that have left lasting impressions on my heart. And for the sake of HIPAA compliance, we all love that. The name of the patients that I'm going to share stories about have been changed. So one of my very first experiences with hospice was an AgeWise conference. I was there at a booth promoting our hospice company and the services that we provided, and I saw the most darling little gentleman. He was shuffling about from booth to booth and getting all of the free samples and all of the things. He was so happy. He was conversing with anybody that would visit with him. He was so cute. He had this colorful baseball cap covering his otherwise bald head. It was one of those mesh ones, so you could see through it, and on his hat were dozens of pins. Some of them were bright, orange, metallic, little saxophone pins. There were sunshine pins, pins with smiley faces. Anyway, needless to say, all of the pins on his hat were bright and juvenile and happy. And when I finally got the chance to meet with and chat with this darling little gentleman, I asked what the secret to his wonderful attitude was. It was evident to everybody who saw him, to which he replied, quote, once you realize we're all terminal, then you need to start living while you're alive, end quote. That sentiment burrowed down deep and settled into my heart while that charming little man sauntered off. That thought seems to be the book from which all of my other experiences and interactions with the elderly could be chaptered by because of all of the hundreds of patients I've had the pleasure of working with at this really crucial juncture in their lives. I don't remember any of them literally any of them, that didn't at least counsel in their own version or their own way of teaching that very truth. They always, to some degree, said, be grateful for and take care of your good health, your good looks, your vision, your spouse, etc., because the bottom line is it doesn't last forever. Now, we can say that amongst ourselves, and we probably have, but to hear it from someone who's approaching the threshold of the afterlife comes with a powerful punch. And that's one of the things I loved the most about working in a hospice situation was I always had things put in perspective when I spent time with these amazing people. 
One of my all-time favorite hospice patients was a 92-year-old woman who had moderate to severe dementia. She was so cute. She was the happiest, happiest of people. She always greeted me with a big smile and a big hug. She was convinced that we were the very best of friends (laughs) and that we'd actually spent this entire lifetime together as such. I'm not sure why she didn't see that we were a little bit different in age, but when she was discharged from our service for her continued improvement, her daughter, who was her caregiver, requested a picture of me with her mom. So she took the picture and the next week, which was scheduled to be our last visit, she presented her mom with this darling framed picture of the two of us, of besties, right? (laughs) It was so cute. I will never, as long as I live, forget what she said. She looked at the picture and she replied, oh, that's lovely, dear. Is that your grandmother? It was so funny. Her daughter, who was seated next to me, said, Mother, can't you see that's you? And her response again, priceless. She was borderline traumatized and her eyes got the size of tennis balls. And she exclaimed with recognition, I'm an old woman. Oh my gosh, I still giggle thinking about her. She was 92 years old and this was the first time it had occurred to her. We laughed together, her daughter and I, and I have kept that perception with me ever since. She taught me that we see ourselves as we choose to. So why not be generous with our kindness? Why not grant ourselves permission to see and embrace the good and love the not so good regardless? My very first hospice patient was a woman by the name of Jean. I was actually requested to her bedside by the family because she was actively dying. This tiny little lady had what's called terminal agitation, and it was quite traumatic for the family who had gathered. I had never been in that kind of situation, personally or otherwise. Oh, I remember begging my father in heaven to just help me, to help me be a tool in his hands. Well, I'm going to spare you the details. She passed within minutes after I was done working on her feet. It was a very, very special experience, one that I'll never forget, and one that I consider quite sacred. So I won't share the details, but Jean taught me that the veil is thin with these spirits who are transitioning. As the years have passed, I've talked to many other patients and their families about that concept, and trust me when I say, even in the worst-case scenarios, Families who have been there will attest that heaven begins to be very close at the end of a person's earthly journey. Mary was a woman who was in my ward. She never actually was a patient, but I probably spent as much time with her as I did some of them. She always fretted. She would get herself so worked up that she just couldn't do anything. She compared her accomplishments of 20 years ago with the physical limitations of her current 80-plus-year-old body, and she really struggled not to beat herself up about that. This dear heart of a woman was also the one that called our youngest daughter on her first day of school just to ask about her teacher, what she wore, who she played with. She was the one that always called those with birthdays to personally wish them a good one. She was the one that called to say I love you and also called a dozen or so or more of her elderly neighbors just to check on them. 
Mary was the perfect example of diminishing and not recognizing her own unique contributions, which the way I saw it were huge. As long as you have a voice, whether it's recorded, over the phone, in a book, whatever, you can still have a positive influence. It took a lot for me to convince her that you can still lift and encourage another and that that's way more important than any list of chores that are checkboxed. She was making a huge difference. Gloria was a hiker. Oh my gosh. She hiked some of the world's highest peaks. She organized a hiking club and really included her entire family in this passion of hers. Her and her husband had a lovely home right at the base of one of the highest peaks in northern Utah where they raised their family. When each of her grandkids turned 15, she flew them somewhere enormous for the hike of a lifetime. Just her and that grandchild, and probably a guide of course, but Machu Picchu, Mount Everest, the base camp anyway. Her entire living room was full of pictures from those adventures. Now, when I met Gloria, she was confined to a wheelchair with a full-time home health nurse to care for her needs. But I will never forget walking into her beautiful, spacious living room. The entire east wall was picture windows from floor to ceiling facing her beloved mountains. There she sat with her wheelchair facing the view and bright yellow smiley face socks and her hiking boots on. I had to ask her nurse just to confirm, but no, she hadn't been able to walk for years and yet she wore those every single day. She taught me about keeping her eye on the prize and being prepared. She told me that her and her grandchildren would prepare for their hikes, kind of like marathon runners did. They did it together. Brilliant, right? Talk about together time. But she taught them that they had to be prepared, so they worked really hard to achieve that level of readiness. She talked a lot about being prepared for the next stage in life. And I smiled so big when I was notified of her passing because I knew exactly what she was wearing. Jack and Betty were a married couple that were actually on our service together, and after several months, they were moved into an assisted living facility to help them with their increasing needs. One day, they invited me to stay for lunch, and after persistent coaxing and finally the administrator extending the invitation, I decided to stay. I hope I always remember that lunch. Since they were still able to walk, we were among the first in the big dining hall. Well, every single person who entered, <laughs> at least one of them, would get up and go ask that person about their son that was just diagnosed or how their cataract surgery went, or did they get the treats they left just inside the door, something like that. There were up and down and up and down. I didn't get a visit with them at all during that lunch. But I witnessed firsthand what service looks like from a pair that in their own right could have sat there with the rest waiting to be served. I don't know how many cold lunches they ate, but based on that experience, I would bet it was a lot. These people served. They served every neighbor, every person they came in contact with, including me. One dear gentleman that was a patient of mine became more like a beloved family member, and he just passed during the COVID quarantine, so I hadn't seen him or his sweet daughter for months when he passed. That one was tough, I will tell you. I felt such a loss because he asked me from the beginning if I would be with him at that point and take care of his feet. 
He taught me a lot of lessons. But at the top of the list is the fact that you don't have to be blood to feel like family. That's how I felt every single time I was with them. He and his daughter truly loved me with their entire beings, and it was a tangible gift they gave me. Another one of the really special ones was Betty. She'd been through some pretty incredible physical challenges, which included being run over by a truck in her older years, literally. So she was no stranger to pain, but you would never know it. She was the perfect illustration of grace and dignity. She always got ready for the day, jewels, matching shoes and all. It was hard to catch her without a smile, and she was the epitome of how a sense of humor could carry you through when almost nothing else could. I still giggle when I think about some of the things she said when I read some of the treasures she wrote me or the stories she shared in the way that only she could share them. (laughs) She taught me how to pull up my big girl panties and get on with it. Thinking of her reminds me of the time I read her one of my go-to resources for those who could look at their own elderly states with a sense of humor. It's my favorite. It goes like this. If my body were a car, this is the time I'd be thinking about trading it in for a newer model. I've got bumps and dents and scratches in my finish, and my paint job is getting a little dull, but that's not the worst of it. My headlights are out of focus. My traction is not as graceful as it once was. I slip and slide and skid and bump into things even in the best of weather. My white walls are stained with varicose veins. It takes me hours to reach maximum speed. My fuel rate burns inefficiently, but here's the worst of it. Almost every time I sneeze, cough, or sputter, either my radiator leaks or my exhaust backfires. (laughs) Listen, if you can't laugh about it, right? Oh my gosh, she laughed so hard it honestly scared me. There was literally nothing coming out of her mouth. Oh, I miss her, but I'm awfully grateful that a lot of her can still be found in one of my dearest friends who I get to see regularly. I think one of the things that taught me to love my time with hospice patients and their families, besides those patients, was watching my mom and her sister, my Aunt Judy, care for the elderly. My mom was an angel of a neighbor who took care of Sister Birch, a widow in the house I grew up next to, every single day for as long as I can remember that quiet little lady with sparkling white hair. She was taking her for walks and cleaning her house, taking food over. In fact, she still cares for the elderly in their ward. And her sister, my Aunt Judy, did the same for their mother, my grandmother. I had the special opportunity to go once a week and sit with her for a few hours for just about a year prior to her passing. My sweet cousin always got to paint her nails, and I got to ask questions and record them. I wrote her autobiography, and I was so honored when I was asked by the family to share it at her funeral. I will forever be grateful for the things she taught me and the close relationship we were able to develop during that time, and for the examples of these good women who influenced me with their examples. Now I'm witnessing and taking notes from my darling mother-in-law, who I mentioned had her 88th birthday. I quoted her years ago as saying, Getting old ain't for sissies. <laughs> Some of the lessons she will leave with her family are, quote, It says so in the scriptures, so I'm going to hold Father in Heaven to it. I pray for miracles every day. Build, do not destroy. She'll have an exclamation point after that one. Leave everything better than you found it. She tells us all the time that she begs God for mercy. And my personal favorite, I have nothing to complain about. 
I just whine sometimes, end quote. Oh my goodness, I love thinking of these people. It just makes me happy. The elderly are all too many times, however, a generation that slips through the cracks of their loved ones' busy lives. And what a shame. They have such life lessons to teach us. They have such love to share and such a difference to continue to make, even in their latest years. It's been said that we should listen to our elders and not just because they're always right, but because they have more experience in being wrong. Isn't that the truth? We can learn volumes from their examples. In James 1 verse 27, we read, quote, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world, end quote. I hope you've gathered by now that just like the primary song states, I'm trying to be like Jesus, and I know I'm not alone. Don't you think if he was here, he would be comforting, strengthening, blessing, and loving those who are in their older years? As I think about these sweet senior saints, I'm feeling the finger turn right around and point back at me. I could certainly make more of an effort, and I will. Haven't we covenanted to mourn with those that mourn and comfort those who stand in need of comfort? These are certainly some of those people. I'm going to extend a challenge to each of you this week in this episode as well to visit those more experienced loved ones in your lives. Make them feel important. Teach your children how to serve, honor, and respect them, and then pull up a chair and take notes. (laughs) 